1: Hello and welcome to episode 25 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google. And follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Listeners, I'm sure you're aware of the situation regarding Manchester United forward Mason Greenwood, who will not train or play for the club until further notice. This situation is now a legal matter and will not be discussed on today's show. Rob, how are you? Not bad, not bad. You know, uh,
0: transfer window is finished. Um, As I said to you off off mic before, it was my 23rd window and this was definitely my least busy because I was off. It was quite nice to, to observe it from afar. But outgoings from Manchester United, lots of chitter-chatter around players who want to leave the football club and not much incomings, which I think is something we predicted. So we'll see what happens from here. Obviously, a big programme for Manchester United of games coming up. Um, we've still obviously got a little bit of a space now going into the FA Cup. we would be interesting to see now
1: what Ralph Rooney does with his squad. United have got seven games in February. Um, February, shortest month of the year, obviously, uh, and a lot of games to cram in, but having had a you know, a break over the last couple of weeks. We'll be hoping that, you know, players are recharged. Injuries have been dealt with and this kind of stuff, and we can start afresh for the remainder of the season and see where United can go. United are in fourth place at the moment in the Premier League. As Rob mentioned there, there's a cup tie against Middlesbrough at Old Trafford in the FA Cup on Friday night. Um, we'll talk about that today. We'll also talk about the January transfer window and the players that have obviously left the club and what our feelings are around the fact that there were no income ins. Obviously, Rob has mentioned there as well that we weren't really expecting any. But I think there's perhaps a case of fans growing in expectation that you know players are just due to come in in every single transfer window that there ever is. Uh, it's not always the case. Uh, we'll just talk about the implications for United um, with the players that have left, the players that have stayed. Uh, we'll also talk about some players who may be returning or you know, getting a chance in the first team. Paul Pogba, uh, Hannibal Medjbry, a number of different players. And we'll talk about uh, the weeks ahead and we'll see how United can progress under Ralph Ranick for the remainder of the campaign. So deadline day was a busy one in a sense of Donny van der Beek left for Everton on loan. I do not believe there was an option to buy in that. I think it's just a straight loan to Everton who signed Deli Alley as well. Uh, Anthony Martial left uh, obviously in the last week to go to Sevilla Axel Twanzebi has left United uh, or left his loan at Aston Villa to go on loan to Napoli Amad Diallo has left for Rangers uh, and there's a number of other players who've left the club as well uh, who weren't really in the first team picture but maybe there's some fans coming into this Rob or looking at the team now with no incomings thinking that this United squad is weaker than it was before the window started. How do you how do you assess it?
0: Well, it's certainly weaker in terms of numbers. So again, I think with the transfer market and certainly with the transfer windows, it's become its own cottage industry, hasn't it, for football fans? So football fans are are dialed into it. They want to know every rumor, they want to know everyone that that the club are after. And Manchester United certainly do have targets to bring into the football club, but I think you can't deny at the moment that the team is in transition. You know, Ralph Raniuk, I think, is doing a good job there. Whether he's going to be the guy that takes the club forward as a coach, I think that's a, a, a an open question as it stands. And I think because of that, Manchester United cannot really go out and splash the cash. And you can't really do that in January anyway, because the targets are not there. You know, everything happens in the summer in general. You could have gone and found another Bruno Fernandes, maybe. But I think the, the main pressing concern at Man United is to get the the quality that's already at the football club playing well. So I think this is really what raniuk has been tasked with. You could have brought in one or two or three or four, but I think as you've seen with the outgoings, those players, maybe say like Diallo. I think it's a really good example. Uh, Diallo might have got minutes now in, in the weeks and months ahead, but... Clearly, Ralph Raniak doesn't see him as a solution in the next four months. So I think it's better, obviously, that he goes out and and gets football. And I think that's the balance is that if these guys are going to sit on the bench and not even come on or not even get on the bench, then it's better that you reduce your numbers. Ralph's talked a lot about working with 14 or 15 players rather than 24 or 25. And I think we saw with his outgoings that that was him being the architect of this squad
1: as it stands of course Ralph is meant to move into a consultancy role after his job as you know interim manager is done at the end of the season there's no been no decision yet on whether Ralph will continue I know Rob I don't know whether you're still in the club of uh, extending Raney's stay as manager but obviously there's not been no answer there yet uh, United have other managerial targets too but it's not uh, there's no suggestion one way or another about which way this which way United will turn so is it really that smart to buy for a manager who is potentially going to leave in six months when we don't know the significance of his role afterwards and whether he's going to be integral to everything or whether he'll just be kind of on the side, you know, offering advice a little bit. So Rob, I I did want to ask you more in more in depth about Donny van der Beek. Now we've, United fans are kind of upset I suppose that Van der hasn't been given enough chances but I think we've spoken on this show numerous times about the fact that when he has had chances he's not really done well enough now there are concerns I think in the, in United's camp about how well he's adjusted to the Premier League is he physical enough and all this kind of stuff uh, we'll see at Everton he's got, he's got a chance uh, under Frank Lampard you know it's a potentially a good manager to learn under given the Way he played the game and Donny's position, this kind of thing. Um, but Donny, as it stands, will be coming back uh, to United at the end of the season. But maybe could Everton be a launching pad for him into uh, to come back at United and then making a first team place his own? Or is this a chance for United to sell him on? A bit of both. I think it's a it's a
0: good opportunity for all parties here because Donny van der Beek sat on Man United's bench and coming on for two minutes is pointless. It's not really what he was bought for. It's not what Man United need. I always take it from this stance is that it's club over player every time. Yeah, it's about the needs of the football club over the needs of any individual footballer. So Donny van der Beek came to Man United. We can argue to a blue in the face whether Ole Gunnar Solskjaer managed him correctly, gave him the correct minutes. He did play plenty of games off the bench, but I saw those games with my eyes and he wasn't very good. So a lot of the talk that we had coming out of Carrington was that he was struggling to adapt to premier league duties. Unfortunately for Donny van der Beek, that's also what we've now heard via the Ralph Raniuk system is that he doesn't really cut it in physicality. He's a good player. He's got technique. He is talented. He's an international, but I think it's better that he goes to Everton. I think at Everton, he'll play more. He'll get the opportunity to acclimatize. He's now going to go and play for a manager who was a a top midfielder, obviously in Frank Lampard. Um, And I think with Everton's business, you know, Everton are in a little bit of a rebuild themselves. So I think Donny will get more slack cut for him than what he had at Manchester United.
1: We'll see how it goes for him. Uh, You know, he was like you say, Rob, two minutes off the bench here and there. It's just it's no real good for anyone social posts about Donny making 50 appearances when he's played for <laughs> one minute yeah. at a time in most of those games is no good for anyone. So we'll see how it goes, but you've got to do it in training. Like this is what I keep saying to fans and, and people who like, I always
0: read my work and our audience is that if you do not do it in training, you can't get picked. I saw Anton Ferdinand. say yesterday about Donny was that, Oh, you should have just given him a run and let him play. Well, you can't do that. If it makes you lose games, you literally cannot do that. If, especially in midfield. So I know why fans are upset about it because they want to see him do well. But as I said, club over player. If he was doing well in training, Donny van der Beek would be a starter at Man United.
1: Yes. Uh, So Donny was the only first team established player to leave on deadline day, if memory serves me correctly. It was a long day yesterday. Um, Rob and I have worked in football media for a long time now uh, as rob says 23 23 deadline days you've had i'm not quite sure how many windows. i've had uh 23 yeah. windows sorry uh, i'm not sure how many i've had but i'm probably going to go and count after this just because it uh <sighs> i'd actually quite like to know but uh, yeah so united have maybe weakened themselves a little bit but as ralph has said big squad perhaps there's too many players in there who are just not getting enough game time he likes to work with the smaller squad. But my my question to you, Rob, before we get into the fact that perhaps there were some problem positions that were not addressed, is this squad... This this clear-out, does it mean that United will really struggle in the next few weeks? Because, you know, fans point to midfield and they think, thinking, oh, do we have enough in there with McTominay and Fred and Matic? Is that it? You know, I'm sure we'll talk about Paul Pogba in a little while, but... Does that, it? is there any areas of the pitch that concern you now?
0: Not really. I think when we talk about numbers, if you've got 25 players in your squad or something around that ilk, it only really is a good thing if you're using them. So if you're not using them, then there's no point having them. Of course, the only other side of this coin really says is that if you get injuries, then you've got less options, haven't you? So if you have an injury crisis, you suddenly lose seven or eight players. What are we going to be saying on one of our podcasts? oh, Manchester United have got rid of players too early, too soon, have all gone. But let's be honest, the players that have exited, and you know, you name them, there at the top of the show, they're not getting minutes. They're not helping Man United. And let's, again, be honest, if United had got good concrete bids for them on deadline day or before in January, they probably would have been sold. But I think loan deals, we talked about Donny van der Beek there very specifically, it's important that he gets football because if he goes to Everton and does well for four or five months, then there is always that option of bringing him back. And and I think one of the reasons why he took the Everton deal, because he turned Everton down at the start of the season, obviously after chatting to Ole and Ole giving him the insurances that he wanted. One of the big things is that he's very settled in Manchester. He moved to Manchester with his girlfriend. I think they've got a place in in the city centre, which is quite strange for a player. Normally players end up in Audley Edge or Wilmslow or in big million-pound mansions. He He's decided to stay in the, in the city centre in Manchester. And, you know, the commute from Manchester to Everton is easy. So he won't really have to uproot his life to go and play for, say, Crystal Palace, who are another club who are knocking on his door. So I think it's a good thing. Let's, um, let's see what happens. And I think with Ralph, all we have to hope here now for Ralph is that you do not get injuries. But saying that, unless you've got a huge injury crisis, I think the players that have gone wouldn't have got extra minutes.
1: Let's talk about one of those players who hasn't been getting as many minutes as he was hoping for. Um, And another player who is said to have have had a meeting at the start of the season with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and been given assurances that he will be having more minutes than he actually ended up getting. Uh, Jesse Lingard uh, has ended up staying at United. Uh, You know, I think there was there's a, po- a possible position for him on the right wing now, which might've popped up in the, in the last few days due to varying circumstances, you know, which may give him another chance in the team. But I think, it, I think he's made it clear over the last month or so that he, as much as he would like to stay at United and see out his contract, I think when offers came in for him, I think uh, Newcastle United were interested uh, and they were probably closest to getting him on transfer deadline day on loan or whether that be on a permanent deal or whatever. Uh, Lingard went to West Ham last season and tore it up in the Premier League. He was fantastic. Um, but he seems to have lost his uh, that momentum. So can he rediscover it in the next few months? We'll see. But, you know, United have... I think United were actually open to doing a deal up until a few hours before the window closed uh, on Monday. So that's said to have made Lingard quite upset um, in the fact that, you know, he was told by Ralph Rannick earlier in the in the day that he could actually leave and now it's turned out that he hasn't left and United need him but he is under contract right so he just has to get on board with it and if United need him United need him because that's his contract right
0: yeah and I do think you know like we said we we won't talk about certain uh, right winger who's played for Manchester and obviously now is uh, in the middle of a legal case I think when you lose a player who is a bona fide starter, that you need someone to step into that breach. So I think that Lingard, six months left of his contract. You know, there was talk about Man United possibly going in for a loan signing in the last few days of the window, um, obviously to cover bases. But if you've got someone like Jesse Lingard, who's an international footballer, and is of that standard, you know, as you said there, he was brilliant at West Ham last year. And the reason why he came back to Man United was not partly just because of United wanting him back. But he was very insistent that he wanted to try again at Manchester United. So, you know, he hasn't got the minutes that he wanted. He hasn't broken back into the team in the way that he would have liked to. But you can't just go on form from a previous season or whatever. You again, you've got to do it in training. You've got to be good. You know, you've got to show the management that you can do it. I still think that Jesse Lingard has a function at United for the next few months, Um, and it could just be the long goodbye that I think he would like. You know, he's a United fan. He'd be able to say goodbye to the United a supporter base that he's been part of for a very, very long time. And it would be a nice little going away present, wouldn't it? If he helps Manchester United achieve something at the end of the season, if he's a guy who actually now comes in, plugs a breach and does very well for Ralph Rangnick.
1: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Lingard is one of a number of players who is out of contract in six months time. I just wanted to ask you this, Rob, is it given that United perhaps could have made some money on Lingard last summer, now it does look as though he will be walking away for free. I think Tottenham are interested in him. West Ham and Newcastle, as we've just mentioned, they will probably come back. And there'll be a number of clubs who are probably interested in him because of his Premier League experience. England international, as we say. Um, and will be in the peak years of his career. Um, is there, Have United acted the right way here over the last year with him? I think so. And,
0: and the reason why I say that is because football fans, again, have to not, consider that they're running the football club you know this is not football manager what would i do if i was running this club well everyone's got opinions don't they we we splurt these opinions out on our podcast every week i think when it comes to players and and finance and business jesse lingard and Manchester United agreed to what they agreed to that he would come back to the football club and try and earn a contract that was something that was put forward and and jesse lingard was very happy with that and so manchester united the fact that he hasn't played games, I think, is a football matter again. Is like, why is that? Well, that comes down to training, whether it be attitude or function or tactics. But it was right to give Jesse another go. I think now you get to six months down. People will say, Well, why have you not sold him and gone and get a transfer fee? Well, do any of us really care if the Glazers pick up an extra five or ten million for Jesse Lingard? I don't. I really don't care. I would rather Jesse Lingard be now used at Manchester United for six months, and then we say goodbye to him. So you could have sold him, you know, at an earlier point. Um, the West Ham performance that he gave obviously uh, increased his his value at that point. But it's about football, isn't it? Winning football matches. And I think Jesse Lingard in the next few months can help Manchester United win games.
1: Yeah, I'm just, uh, I've just looked up the number of people who are out of contract in the summer and you know, obviously, Nemanja Matić is not out of contract in the summer. I think, even though Ralph actually said the other day, I think in a, in a press <laughs> conference that he was. I think he he's got he has got an extra year left, but maybe that's an indication that he won't be here beyond this season. But you got uh, Lee Grant out of contract, Juan Mata Tahith Chong, Cavani, Lingard, and Paul Pogba as well. That's you know six players. Maybe Chong and Grant really aren't first team established players, but they are they are around the first team when they're at the club. So. That is a lot of uh, if, if United want to clear out in the summer there's six players who could end up going plus any players they sell.
0: Yeah look getting this wage bill cleaned out for whether it be a new manager or whether Ralph Raniuk stays and yes Scott I am the chairman of the board of that fan club I do want Ralph to stay that is I've put that you know put my flag in the mast there and said that's what I believe. Uh, I think that you need to be able to give this manager a, at least a new set of fresh talent to go with what you've got so you know, the big player there, you said, is Paul Pogba in terms of contract situations. That's been ongoing since the start of time. But I think for the rest of them, it's more like natural turnover and it's a good position for Man United to be in. Like these players, as I said, if they don't help you, Cavani, of course, is ageing and going to move on anyway, that you need that wage bill to be freed up so you can then go out and do some better business.
1: Yeah, you think of, obviously, I mentioned there, the Mania <laughs> Matic, we've got... Uh... Phil Jones, who was linked with a move away uh, in the last few days of the window, uh, whether that be on loan or whatever, I think he might have another year left, if I'm right in saying, yeah. if I can remember rightly. Um, so there could be a few other players that United do end up offloading who aren't out of contract. But I think it's a, it is a case of whichever manager takes over, the, the squad does need turnover. I think it's pretty clear that there's a, there's a number of unhappy players there that need a turnover and need a fresh look. Dean Henderson's another one who I think could end up going, but um, let's talk. Let's talk Paul Pogba. You mentioned him there. Um, do you have a gut feeling at the moment about what will happen with him? Because there were suggestions over the last few days that he would be. Well, it's, it's always been suggested that he's open to. He's made no decision yet, but he is open to sign a new contract with United. Uh, personally, I don't think he will. I think he'll leave, but that's based on gut. What's 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 yours saying?
0: I've always gone along the party line with Paul Pogba, stuff that we've heard directly from his representatives going back over time. (coughs) Excuse me. And that is that Paul Pogba, if Manchester United can come up with the deal that he wants, he will stay. So when you kind of apply this to the fan base, I think there is a large amount of the fan base that want him to go now because I think with everything that goes with Paul Pogba, and I don't think that he's to blame for 90% of it, um the fans don't like it and lots of them don't like him but I still think you just said that your gut is that he will leave I I think my gut says that he'll stay so we've got nice kind of varying points there and I and and I believe that because I think Manchester United as the time goes on now and as the midfield unfolds of what Ralph Ranick wants to do or what a new manager will want to do any new coach Ten Hag Pochettino Diego Simeone whoever you want to put there Ralph Ranick will want to keep Paul Pogba. doesn't matter what fans think or whether he's been a success over the time he's been at the football club. Paul Pogba remains one of the elite central midfielders in the world. Do you want to lose a player like him for free in this situation and then have to pay the money to go and get someone to replace him who's probably not as good as him? So I think that when this Brinkmanship is over in the next few weeks, and it will be because obviously we'll get to the end of his contract, That Manchester United will give him the offer that he wants. If he gets an offer from a club that is performing better than Manchester United, and this is where we could be, then of course Paul Pogba might take that option. And there are other clubs that are doing better than Man United. So I don't think we will we will see him at another Premier League team. I think that is impossible. I don't think that's something that United would allow. I think they'd rather pay him, you know, eight hundred thousand pound a week than let him go to Man City or to Liverpool or somewhere like that. But of course. There's plenty of foreign teams that he could join. Real Madrid and Barcelona are looking to rebuild. But the truth is that they just cannot afford the kind of wages that Paul Pogba earns. They just cannot. They have not got the money. You know, so, they've, they've, you know, they've gone out like, yes, Barcelona went and got bummyang. that there are ways of constructing deals to be able to do it. Paul Pogba is a high-level premium elite player that you're going to have to pay all the whistles and bells for. And Manchester United know that they lose Paul Pogba, they've also lost one of their major marketing tools to, to market the club around the world. So for that reason, my gut re- my gut reaction is that if he comes back into the team now under Ralph and plays well, because he can play left or right, he can play the centre, he can do many different things for Ralph. If he does well, Manchester
1: United will be giving him that contract and I think there's a good chance he'll sign it. Yeah, we are seeing a lot of... Uh, I've just looked at the 2023 expiry dates, so we'll get into that in a second uh, just out of curiosity, but... There's a number of clubs, you see it with Arsenal, and they've given players like Meza Ozil and Aubameyang massive, massive contracts for them. And then they've ended up, you know, becoming duds. Uh, you can, you, they, they offloaded Ozil to, uh, you know, and it, it's a case that like, they have these players who are just not really contributing to the first team and they're paying them fortunes. And I think th- you might find that football goes this way in the next few years uh, with the fact that you know, players will run down their contracts because transfer fees have got so inflated and massive. But at the same time, there's only a few real clubs who can really afford to pay these massive contracts without, you know, having a problem down the line. So we'll see what happens with Pogba. Um, I'm not saying either way, I'm just going on a gut feeling there, you know.
0: Yeah, look, football has gone this way. I think I touched on it before on one of my other podcasts about the NBA and how the NBA works, because it's quite normal for someone to sign a four-year contract. And serve the four-year contract and then leave for for nothing it does happen you know in what they call free agency in america i'm sure our american listeners are very very aware obviously how the system works there but i think obviously obviously in europe this is something that's kind of more new to us and something that hasn't really been applied over years, even with the Bosman rule. That players are now, this is a more natural thing for them to do because they're, they're brands and businesses on their own, these players. And I think when you look at Paul Pogba, you know, he knows that wherever he goes, he can command the kind of salary that he wants, wherever he is Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United. I think as it stands, talk about those three football clubs, Man United are in the best financial position to keep Paul Pogba, you know, they, they don't have to buy Paul Pogba. Do they? they don't have to sweeten his agent. They don't have to do all of those things that these other clubs would have to do. And it would just, it's a wait and see, isn't it? Because, you know, we'll see what PSG want to do. You know, there's obviously talk that he could go back to Paris. Obviously it's his, his, uh, his hometown. That's an option for him. But I do think that if United can attract an elite manager, and I'm sure that they will, that then Paul Pogba will consider staying. Because I think for Paul, it is about football. I think he wants to win. You know, he knows he's going to get paid wherever he is. He can go and play football on the moon, and he'll go and get three, four, 500 grand a week. He'll get it. It doesn't It doesn't matter to him. To him, it's about trophies. And I think he only stays with Man United if he's convinced by the project. So that's kind of where he was a year or two ago. And we, we're hearing really good things about him and Ranić. You know, they get on really well. Um He's impressed with Ranić. And I think this is how footballers who want to win, they look at Ralph Ranić as that kind of technical winner, a tactician, someone with a plan. It's not hot air. You know, it's not like I just want to win. It's like I've got a method of winning. This is what I want to do. It's just now a wait to see if Paul Pogba is happy to stay in Manchester for really the rest of his prime of his career, really. That's that's the question now at his age. Uh, But we do hear that he's got family. He's happy in Manchester. He doesn't go out on the town. You know, he's that kind of lad. He's a family man. And living in Cheshire, in the leafy suburbs of uh, of the outskirts of Greater Manchester, I think that he's relatively settled. So that might play a key in all of this that maybe football fans don't consider.
1: United do have a lot of uh, decisions to make over the next uh, two years or 18 months or so. I'm just looking at the contracts for 2023. I'm sure we'll do this at some point in the summer, Rob. You know, breaking down the, you know, who should stay, who should go, what United should do with all of these different players. But there's actually nine players out of contract in 2023, although seven of them do have options for a further year. So there's Marcus Rashford, Luke Shaw, Cristiano Ronaldo, Fred, David De Gea, Phil Jones and Tom Heaton all have an option for a further year. And Nemanja matic and Diogo Dallo are also out of contract in 2023. So there's, there's a number of players... That either Ralph or the new manager will have to make a decision on. Obviously, that extra year option gives United a bit of flexibility. Um, but it does mean that if United are looking to do a massive transition of the squad, then this could happen realistically over the next 18 months.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good thing. You know, I, expiring contracts are only really a problem if it's an asset that you could sell. So I think Paul Pogba fits into that bracket. I think Jesse Lingard to an extent would have fitted into that bracket. But I think overall, if you've got players who are on expiring deals and they're not really part of your future, it's pretty good to be able to just get rid of them for free, you know, in legal terms. You just you can say your contract's done, goodbye. We owe you nothing, you owe us nothing, we move on. And and with a new manager coming in, this is a rebuild. So whether it's Ralph and I get my way and Ralph Randiuk stays as a coach for Manchester United, or whether it's Pochettino or Ten Hag or any other big star manager managerial name, I think it's good that there's a, a chance there to press the reset button. Because let's be honest, at the end of this project, now because it is the end of his project, he has now left the football club. It, it now needs a freshness, doesn't it? That means new players. And the only way you can bring new players in is by clearing out your wage bill.
1: Yeah, you've seen that with the likes of uh, Arsenal and Tottenham to a degree as well they haven't really been able to do much over the last few days you know Um, you mentioned Mesut Ozil
0: like I think Mesut Ozil is a really good example because Mesut Ozil at the time was a great player you know when he got that contract he was still considered you know World Cup winner you know he could help you go and go to the next level the reason why Mesut Ozil got that deal is that Mesut Ozil was Arsenal's biggest shirt seller by a million billion miles that's why he got it so this is part of it so i know football fans always think that every wage deal every contract is about what you can do on a football pitch and it is to an extent but that commerce is so important to the top clubs that you have someone worthy of putting your name on the back think about the number seven shirt at man united you know do you want to put Jaden Sancho's name on it in the future or are you happy going back to the days when antonio valencia was wearing it or michael owen was wearing it the reason why michael owen got it was because he was once upon a time the biggest shirt seller in the world, his shirt when he, obviously during his Liverpool days and at his Real Madrid days, that was his England shirt. That was the biggest selling shirt in the world. So you do that because it's Michael Owen saying, hey, have the number seven shirt for a bit, but it's not a long-term solution, is it? So I, I think with Paul Pogba as well, you'll see that that is a, a big consideration for Manchester United because it's not like he's a poor footballer. It's not like he's not very good. It's just that Man United themselves as a football club have not been very good during Paul, Paul, during Paul Pogba's tenure. And of course, yes, he has been part of that.
1: Just uh, looking at Michael Owen here, um, I believe has been revealed as the masked singer. Now, it's not um, something <laughs> I watch, um, but that's that's a UK thing. It's been on UK TV. Uh, somebody comes on stage in, you know, some kind of costume and sings a song. You have to try and guess who it is. Uh, Michael Owen was uh, part of that series recently. Um, yeah, that's what he's doing nowadays. He's not, uh, not <laughs> playing football anymore, although he is doing a bit of punditry. Um, Rob, you mentioned there Jaden Sancho. I mean, let's let's move on and talk about what's next, I guess, uh, on the football pitch. Uh, Jaden Sancho was bought in the summer, 73 million, however much money it costs United to get him in. Hasn't really delivered so far. There's been flashes here and there, but obviously um, he's missed the last couple of games due to a bereavement. So we're hoping that everything is okay there with Jaden and he can return as soon as possible. But um, if he needs more time, then so be it. Um, but obviously, with uh, it, it should be now time for him after this. Uh, wh- whenever he does return, it should be time now for him to start delivering. You know, making that wing position, whichever whether it's on the right or on the left. Ralph was actually referred to him as better from the left side. Um, but we'll see. He can he can do both roles well. It's time for him now to step in. You'd think uh, and to kick on a little bit.
0: Yeah and I think also we we've, we've got to kind of consider everything about Jaden Sancho about why he is where he is at the moment. So he went to the Bundesliga, he did fantastically well. We know everything he did at, at Borussia Dortmund and he really, you know, set set the league on fire there. And that's why he he increased his value so much Did well obviously starting his England career as well. But he's never played in the Premier League before. So he might be English, but he's never played at this standard before. It's the highest standard in the world in terms of the, the aggressiveness of the league and all of the things that you have to apply to be good in the Premier League that might not be the most technical league in the world, but it's certainly the toughest. And I think for Jaden that, that transition is normal. You know, I think it, you have to give players time, certainly young players. He definitely fits that category. He's not an experienced player. You know, I think Ralph Randiuk's been talking about him and getting his age massively wrong in press conferences. He's been saying that he's 24 and I'm like, has he? I yeah, he it. Said day he's twenty. I think he said he's 23, 24. And I was like, is he? I don't know. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, how old is he? Have I missed a few years of, you know, have I been asleep somewhere in a corner and just completely missed it? But, but I think this is the whole thing is that you buy someone like Jed and Sancho to have a big impact at your football club, don't you? That's why you spend the money. But it is also a future proofing signing Like you're buying what you believe is quality that will take you through several years, not just maybe one or two seasons. So I'm not concerned about Jaden Sancho at the moment. I think that once he's in the team, he will stay in the team and that he will get his form to where it needs to be. And we need to see whatever the next manager wants to do. So, So whether it's Ralph or whoever, you know, systems do matter and tactics do matter to players. And I think this kind of running style that Ralph does might not be. Everything for Jaden Sancho, I think you might need to play him higher up the pitch. So if you're playing a 4-2-2-2 rather than playing as one of the the tens behind the strikers, I can actually see him partnering a striker high up the pitch because he's he's a twinkle-toes player, isn't he, around the box. You want him to get onto his foot to shoot or to make that final pass within the box. Um, I don't see him like, you know, covering fullbacks and doing that. He can do that. He has got the energy, but I don't think you get the best out of him. You're not going to get production. So I'm fine with Jaden. You know, he's had this bereavement. It's something he has to get over now. And the club will help him do that. And hopefully he'll be able to come back, you know, have a have a clear head and be able to play at his very best.
1: Going back to Ralph's comments there on uh, getting his age wrong and making a few trippers, I think I find it quite endearing actually. I quite like quite like Ralph. He's uh, not perfect, but he's comes across with a bit of charm, uh, and that is a you know it's, it's not a great time for United at the moment. But I I am what I'm seeing of Ralph. I'm quite enjoying.
0: I think you need a manager like Ralph Ranyuk. So I, I've heard a lot. People have told me a lot that they want a great young manager, and pe- I, I will say who because. Like Ten Hag is young, but I haven't seen enough of, you know, I've watched Ajax a lot, covered them a lot over a long period of time. I've not seen enough of Ajax to think that he's ready for Man United. I know Mauricio Pochettino really, really well, you know, and I've always wanted him as Man United coach in the past. And if he got the job, I would back him. But I don't think he's the perfect pick either at the moment, certainly with the situation that he's in in Paris. So there's lots of kind of, you know, there's lots of managers out there, isn't there? But I like Ralph. I think Ralph is. At 60 years old, is not old. You know, people keep telling me this, oh, he's old. 60 is not old. It's not. It really isn't. He's experienced. That's what 60-year-olds mean. You know, he's not kind of on his way out of the game, is he? Yes, he's done executive roles, but he's always said it himself. He's a coach, first and foremost. And you've only got to speak to contemporaries like Jürgen Klopp, like Thomas Tuchel, and any of that German fraternity who have come through and done so well at, at top clubs over the last few years is they all worship him. They all say he is the ultimate strategist. He gets players doing things that you didn't think those players could do. I want a bit of that at my football club, Scott. I want someone who can do that. Whether he would be successful, I can't say. You know, I can't say that in a year's time I'm not sat here saying it's been an awful mess and Ralph's got to go because that happens in football all the time. But you've got him already. Keep him, you know, don't go... On this merry-go-round for the next six months, trying to hunt a manager down to to eat up hits and clicks, because that's really what this a lot of that's going to be for Man United. A lot of rumours, a lot of conjecture. If you've got someone lined up, great, execute it, get pot in, carry on. But you've got a great manager already in situ, and yeah, I, I I like his presses You know, I really do. I think he gives a lot of information, talks tactics. Talks about attitude. He's very honest. When United don't play well, what does he say? We didn't play well. Obviously, Oleg and Solskjaer used to say, "We'll sort it out." <laughs> it's
1: a very different style of management. The honesty is is quite refreshing. I do find that sometimes he says too much for, for some people, but I kind of like it.
0: But I think even like Klopp and Guardiola, even though they've got their own shtick of where how they
1: talk, I think they're
0: generally pretty honest. You know, they do stay when you know when Liverpool played well. Klopp will say, "Oh, we were rubbish today." You know, and I like that. I prefer managers because that's how fans are thinking as well. You know, it's on their wavelength. Uh, Fergie in the old days wouldn't do that, would he? Fergie would literally play badly and Fergie would be coming out, guns blazing, you know, going after journalists uh, and defending his team. And I think some fans like that as well. And I think with Ole, it was good for Ole to be as he was because we'd just come out of the Mourinho era and Mourinho was just basically talking jive every week so you, it was a, it was again a different style of, of management but Ralph is good I like Ralph and I think that he deserves a chance he's done so well at clubs over the years in the way that he's built football teams Man United needs someone who can build a football club and he's the guy who can do that
1: uh, one player Ralph has spoken about um, is Hannibal uh, he's been at AFCON Tunisia were eliminated from the tournament on Saturday we're recording this on Tuesday ahead of the Middlesbrough game And suggestions are he will be integrated into the first team pitcher, whether that be, uh, we're not expecting him to come in and be an automatic starter straight away, but he's another option that United could um, explore. Very talented lad, uh, ready for a chance, I'm sure. And I think Ralph is high on him as well, right?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I've been high on Hannibal for a long time. I think I spoke about him last week and obviously in a previous podcast about his potential. Um, I saw him come in, you know, I, I did a report on him. The day he signed for Man United when he was a kid and we kind of looked into him, did the background work and, you know, all these young players, they tick boxes, don't they? You kind of go, yeah, he can do this, he can do that, he's got potential, but potential doesn't mean anything until you fulfil it. And I think Hannibal is now at that apex where he can now go and fulfil it. So we've just seen that he's had a very good african nations tournament for for tunisia um there was still some surprise that he chose tunisia because he could have played for france and and obviously was connected to the french national team for a little while as well um but he chose that path that's something it was something personal for him and he's going to be a star for them he's going to be a star for them and and whichever football club he plays for i think he's going to be a star so he's at manchester united you don't have to buy him you don't have to pay a transfer fee just get him in your team and start working him. It's a little bit like Anthony Langer, isn't it? You know, and Anthony Langer kind of has got recognition at international level before club level, which is now becoming a thing. You know, it never used to be. You had to do it for your club first before anyone looked at you at international level. But I think you see now there's such a wide berth of talented players that you can do it on a stage and then come back to your club and say, Well, look, I've proven myself. And I think that's the case for Hannibal. And what do Man United need at the moment, Scott? They need a midfielder. They need someone in there that can do something a little bit different to McFred. And I'm not talking McFred down. They have their function. They do what they do well, I think. And they get a lot of stick. But you need someone, I think, that can drift from those central areas to wider areas and be creative. That's not something that Bruno Fernandes is good at. You know, I know he does that. But I think Bruno, that's a weakness of his going into areas that he doesn't operate well in. But I think Hannibal's a little bit more of a conventional midfielder who can do a little bit of everything and give you that final ball that you desperately need from the center of the park.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask you Rob there um for <laughs> listeners or fans who may not know too much about Hannibal. What can you tell us about what to expect from him? Where will he fit in on the pitch and this kind of thing?
0: The boy's got an edge. He's got an edge, so he doesn't get bullied. You know, so he's not full size yet because he's still 18. Uh, so he's going to keep growing, but he doesn't, you know, no one messes with him. He's that kind of play. He's got a little bit of an attitude. and I kind of like that. You know, I think that this man United team needs character. You need to inject character, whether that be through individuals as a collective. So I think when you're bringing an 18 year old and you're saying to him, you know, go and do what you do well. And what you've done in the kind of youth setup and what you're now doing at international level, can you replicate that in the premier league? I think with the players around him, it's a good fit. So, you know, we talk about Bruno Fernandes, we talk about Paul Pogba, we talk about McFred in midfield, you know, we also mentioned Nemanja Matic. I think when you look at those central players and the players that might, might wander into the channels or be on the edge of the box, Medjabry fits all of that. Hannibal fits all of that. I can see him picking the ball up 20 yards outside of the box and playing the kind of ball that Scott McTominay can only dream of. So, If you've got a player of talent, develop it. Get him in your team. Give him minutes. I would rather see Hannibal Medjury play minutes than Donny van der Beek. Because I think the potential there, the upside of Hannibal is much higher than than Donny. And the reason that is that that Medjury, I think, will become a bona fide Premier League player. I think, you know, Tillemans, I think, is a good good example of a player that came into the league and people said, maybe a bit lightweight, did it in France you know, big reputation, you know, can he do it for Leicester? And we've seen that he can do it for Leicester. I think when you look at that pathway, I think Hannibal could be a real surprise ticket in the same way that Elanga is now. I think Elanga's come in. I think he's already a bona fide starter. I think you could say to Elanga, you're doing the right thing, so we're going to give you minutes and give you games. I think Hannibal could buy into that and do very, very well for Manchester United over the next month and, of course, beyond. Well, of
1: course, this is what fans want, right? You might think as much as every transfer window you want a new shiny player to come in and do this job and then United have been you might have been down this path before and invariably failed to have players justify the fee that they've paid for them you have a strong tradition of developing youth players and bringing them through to the first team and this lad's talented he's very talented very talented and
0: just needs an opportunity and I, and i think that again that if he wasn't going to get minutes, and we know that he is because has already spoken and, t- and talked him up, um, he's going to be included in first-team duties. If, if, he, if he wasn't going to be in those plans, that you probably would have sent him out on loan because he, he's a guy who needs minutes now. So I'm happy to see him get the minutes at Man United in the same way that I am happy to see Alanga get them. Um, you look at other players, I think, on the cusp, someone like Ted and Mengi, or you look at um uh Ethan Laird, these are all players again, huge talents, but they need to go and play and they're in positions where they might not get minutes at Man United. So this is how you work it, Scott you know it can't always be a transfer that solves everything. Of course fans believe that because that's the culture we now live in. If you've got talent develop it, give it a chance and then of course you move it on if it doesn't work, you know, you might end up with a Talith Chong or, or 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 someone like uh, Angel Gomez who who didn't quite cut it in the end, who were big talents as kids. But look at you know, Angel Gomez gone gone away. He's done quite well. You know, so I, I think that you have to sometimes be patient. Uh, it's all about if they can help you win. I certainly think Hannibal and, as we said, Alanger they can help Man United win right now.
1: So you mentioned the next few weeks and games, Rob. Uh, Earlier on, a little bit earlier on, United have seven in February, starting with Middlesbrough in the FA Cup at Old Trafford. We'll return to that in a second, but just just so you know, in case you haven't looked up United's fixtures, it's Middlesbrough, and then in the Premier League, Burnley away, Southampton at home, Brighton at home, Leeds away, Atlético Madrid away in the first leg of the last sixteen of the Champions League, and then Watford at Old Trafford before a difficult run starts in March. Now. I look at that list of games and you think that United functioning fully should win most of them, but it doesn't always work out that way. But it's uh, it's still more time for Ralph to get things working. And how do you just want to briefly touch on the FA Cup? Um, you know, United are, Middlesbrough are doing well this season, but United are expected to win this game. United haven't won a trophy in four years. Uh, coming up, is that coming up five years? Oh my God. Um, since 2017, I think it was. So, you know, is this a chance for United now, Rob, to recalibrate and just target the FA Cup, you know, and get that silverware duck off their back? Well, look, you've got to target
0: a trophy, haven't you? So I think when you look at Manchester United's situation over the last six months, that now the FA Cup has greater importance than what it would have done at the start of the season. And I think as well for Ralph Ranick, who is very much an Anglophile, you know, someone who's followed English football and loves English football, being part of the FA Cup and its history would be something that he's very interested in. So I think we'll see that with this game coming up against Middlesbrough, Man United will not rotate. Man United will put out the big guns against Middlesbrough because they've got to go and get the job done. But also, like, as you said and highlighted, there's a big run of, of, of games coming up, a big programme. But I think it's a nice programme. I think it's something that will allow Ralph to continue to develop his system. Um, he explicitly said that he wants to play 4-3-3. And then the next game did not play 4-3-3. So uh, I, I think that there is not kidology going on there, but I do think that what he's trying to say is that United want to play some more front foot football. So I think that we've seen that Bruno Fernandes has kind of bit of uptick in his form. Uh, Marcus Rashford has come back into the team, little uptick in his form and just the kind of first little signs that they seem to know what to do with Cristiano. So I think if you can fit those three players into a successful system, then that run of games looks pretty good. And Man United can go and win all of them. And of course, it kind of ends there so with the Atletico game. And that's going to be a truly tough test. That might be a little bit of a stalemate. But I think we can go into back into the Champions League with a little bit of form and a little bit of kind of I don't know, blue sky thinking about your team or thinking that you can start winning games and you've got confidence, you've got Hannibal back, you get uh, Pogba back in your team. There's a lot of, you know,
1: there's a lot of upside there for Ralph Raniuk to work with. Doesn't always have to come in the form of shiny new sign-ins. We'll just say that again. Um, as much as we would like to see everything answered yesterday and everything sorted yesterday, it's just it's going to take time.
0: Yeah, let's measure Harry Maguire though as well, because Harry Maguire had a good performance that last game for for Man United, you know, and he's a guy also heavily under fire. So if you get a proper Harry Maguire back, you know, the guy that last year took Man United to second in the league and took helped England to the finals of the Euros, then that's you know, I hate saying it, like a new signing, isn't it? A player that's done nothing for you for a few months suddenly comes back in, adds leadership stops goals at the other end. And let's also keep fingers crossed that David De Gea keeps in the same form that he has been all season long.
1: Yes, we'll see how it pans out. Uh Rob, I did want to ask you a non-United specific question. Uh I know we we've both spoken off here about how much we well what we think of the transfer window. But who won the transfer window in the Premier League <laughs> this month? <laughs> Liverpool and City.
0: Yeah, because annoying. I think when you, when you look at Liverpool signing who they signed, you know, and you look at kind of their positionals or how they're working around their team. And I think they're posturing around Mo Salah about whether Salah stays or goes. I think that's what the signing is about. But I think Man City won it with Julian Alvarez because I think Julian Alvarez is going to come to England and blow it all apart. So... Forget Erlen Haaland. We know how good Erlen Haaland is. We know Haaland's going to cost a lot of money. And Harland, Harland's going to be the guy, who again, gets the hits and the clicks. And this is what the transfer window has become about a lot of it. You know, there's lots of chitter chatter about stuff that is just hot air. You know, it's what it is. But I look at Alvarez and I was thinking, anyone that gets him, he's a guy I think that could be the next. You know Kunaguero. i really do believe that and i think city have identified him and that's why city went in hard for him and said we're going to go and take him and it's kind of same system that they did with um uh jesus uh, with jesus exactly you know I, I covered jesus playing for brazil before he went to man city and no one knew who he was so i watched him and we did a, again a bit of work on him as you do you new players that you're coming across young players and everything he was doing we were like he's going to be really good now let's be honest he's not set the world on fire at Man City, but he's part of a championship winning team, a major part of it. You know, it's probably like their are only striker now, you know, now kind of Ferran Torres has left the, the football club, but he tends to play on the right. Now we know this, but I think when you look at someone like Alvarez, he fits Guardiola's system perfectly. He can play left, he can play right. He's a 10, he's a nine. He can do all of those things. And what does he do? He scores a goal almost every game, you know, maybe once one, every two tops, It's a really good signing. I think they won the transfer window long term. Um, Newcastle will feel like they won the transfer window just because they got some slightly better players in. It might keep them up, and of course, that's their main objective. Um, But I don't know. I think January is always a hard window to win. Anyway, I think that there's, you know, if you can find your Bruno Fernandes, you go and get him. But there's not many Bruno Fernandeses out there.
1: Winning the transfer window, of course, is not always a distinct. Telltale sign that you will win the league or you will win uh, on the pitch in the next, in the months to come. Uh, You could argue that United found that out themselves after the summer. But um, United have
0: won so many transfer windows. They've won so many transfer windows over the years. Even like I'm talking post Fergie years, you know. So it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't always translate into trophies. It's always about the, I think, the, the betterment of your squad and then giving you that opportunity to have a better chemistry to go and win the real trophies.
1: Rob, uh, we're going to wrap up soon. Anything you would like to touch on before we go? Or are you just now, excited feel, to see United back? I, I, I feel I feel pretty good about stuff. I think the last few games that
0: I've seen, I'm really happy with how Ralph is developing the system. And I know football fans are not patient. And we're also in a situation where Man United need to win now because you're at that kind of part of the season where, where the games come thick and fast. But I like how he's setting up and I like how he's got his boys running because Ole didn't do that for all of Ole's positives and negatives he never really got this team to work as hard as it could have done there was always something missing so I, I can't speculate why that is that's on the manager he lost his job for it Ralph Ranik's only been with us a number of weeks and I'm seeing better output I am I'm seeing it and I'm seeing that the tweaks he makes game to game to game to game have positive elements. So I say, let's run with it. Yeah, this 60-year-old old old man, which people keep telling me he's too old. He's not old. He's a football tactician. You know, is he a football magician? We'll see that in the next few games.
1: We will indeed. United are back on Friday night at Old Trafford against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup before a a run of seven games in February. We'll see how it goes. Um, United are gearing up for the rest of the season with a squad that has been trimmed Uh, maybe to some fans' uh, annoyance in a sense, but, you know, it is what it is. United have plenty of options to work with and we'll see how it goes. So to round off, remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Um, Thanks very much, Rob. Uh, Always a pleasure to chat to you. Uh, We'll speak soon. Hopefully United can... Go ahead and advance in the FA Cup and everything will be rosy on the pitch for the next few weeks. Uh, thanks so much for listening as well, listener. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty-nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today